Good morning, friends. Welcome to another glorious day in God's creation. This is Rise Up, and I am John Kowalski. And I welcome you to another episode of this podcast. This time, I've got a little... Uh, I guess I had a little bit of a call put on me to, to do this one. And uh, with this pandemic... Uh, raging on and seeming like it's never going to end, at least the shutdowns and the uh, lockdowns and the stay-at-home orders and all of that stuff are never going to end. I feel like people are getting more and more angry. I feel like people are getting more and more depressed. Uh, I feel like people are getting more and more... uh, I guess, for less of a better term, let's say less and less Christian. Um, I'm hearing a lot of talk uh, uh, again, or seeing it on on social media, about pain and suffering and death, and where is God, and and I I felt like I needed to speak on it. So uh, I'm going to talk today about pain, suffering, and death. And, and a little bit about God's place in that and our place in it and um, and what it's all about. Um, I, I could, you know, delve into uh, philosophy and, and stuff like that and, and get really deeply into Alvin Plantinga and, and the arguments uh, that he refuted that, that because pain and suffering exists, there can't be a good and all-powerful God. Um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach, a more personal approach. Uh, if you want to study that, please do that. Um, go to YouTube, search Alvin Plantinga, um, and you'll find videos about uh, his refutation of the argument that God cannot exist because of pain and suffering. Um he wasn't even a Christian. He was a, a scientist. Uh, but he, his argument simply proved that that the fact that pain and suffering and death exist does not preclude a good and powerful God, okay? Whether or not he actually believed in the Christian God or the God of the Bible, um, that's, that's a different story. But he was arguing from the aspect of truth, not from the aspect of... Uh, religion. Okay, so I'm going to start in Genesis 3.16 because sin is the reason for pain, suffering, and death in our lives, in every person's life that have ever lived since Adam and Eve. Um, In Genesis 3.16 through 19, uh, after the fall, after they ate the forbidden fruit, Uh, God said to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain... You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. 
By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So whether you think that's a justified punishment or not, we're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, It is the punishment for that original sin. Um, But before you judge Adam and Eve, you'd have done the same thing. I'd have done the same thing. We're just built that way, right? We're curious and we have to know and we have to try things and we're really great at justifying our poor behavior. Uh, As I said, uh, just pop open any social media site and you'll see people at their very worst uh, lording over others, uh, claiming that they're better than them for whatever reason, okay? Uh, you know the sins that hound you in your life. You know the times that you have succumbed to them. We are not perfect people, okay? That is exactly what Christianity is about. It's about, through faith, being forgiven. By asking for it, we are forgiven uh, of those sins. That doesn't mean we should sin without or without or carte blanche. We shouldn't just go around committing all the sins because we know we're forgiven. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be trying to live uh, a life like Jesus did, even though we can never attain the perfection that he did. So why, why is all the pain and suffering necessary? Uh, Jay Warner Wallace, I, I listened to a podcast of his recently, uh, and, and he talked about... Uh, some of similar topics to this questions that Christians and non-Christians have about uh, pain and suffering, death, things like that. And he argues that that you can't have mercy without justice or justice without mercy, right? They're, they don't make sense without each other. If everybody gets justice, then there's no need, there is no mercy. And if everybody gets mercy, there is no justice. Um, So God, our God, is equal parts mercy and justice. So let's talk a little bit about mercy first. Uh, Mercy mercy is the easier of the two concepts, right? We we can get behind that one. It is defined as the uh, ability to overlook offense and give somebody a second chance, right? Simple, Simple definition, of course. Uh, Titus 3.5 says, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Romans 5.8 and 9 says it this way, But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Right? We're reconciled to God now. God cannot abide sin. We are full of sin. Jesus fixed it so that we can be reconciled to God. Uh, What could be more merciful than the gift of salvation offered freely based on a simple choice of faith? 
Uh, we want mercy and healing as needed, right? When we have a crisis or we have a problem, we want our sins, we want our mistakes to have no negative ramifications in our life. Okay, but imagine that utopian world, right? That you're creating by by asking for this. Uh, in that world where nothing bad happens, where all of our mistakes turn to rewards, uh, would we really have free will? Would any glory go to God who simply is pushing pieces around on a board forever, right? Um, BibleStudyTools.com had an article uh, called Eight Practical Ways to Give God Glory Every Day. So I'm going to go through these real quick and I'm going to give you some Bible verses that go along with them. I encourage you to go read the Bible verses. Uh, I'm not going to read them all to you here for brevity's sake, but they are great verses, um, and they do go right along with these eight practical uh, pieces of, um, or eight practical recommendations. Uh, One, believe in who he is, Isaiah 42, 8, okay? Two, love God and love others, right? That's Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Be obedient. Of course, that's going to be in Deuteronomy 11.1. Give praise and worship only to God. Only to God. Uh, 1 Chronicles 16.28-29. Number five, confess sins and get rid of those idols. Anything we glorify instead of God. Okay? Six, bring yourself as an offering to by living for God. That's Romans 12.1. Number seven, display his glory in everyday life. That's the take up your cross daily, right? If you want to follow me, take up your cross daily. That's Luke 9.23. And finally, and, and possibly most important, pray, right? In John 17.1, it says, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Maybe that's the prayer we should be saying every day. Right? Glorify us so we can glorify you. All right? Now let's talk about the tougher one, justice. Right? That's the harder pill to swallow. Uh, it's defined as the maintenance or administration of what is just, especially by the impartial adjustment of conflicting claims or the assignment of merited rewards or punishments. Meeting out ju- justice or social justice. Okay, we'll get into that in a minute a little bit because that's not what social justice is anymore, but... Notice, justice isn't good or bad. It, it's the assignments of merited rewards or punishments, okay? Uh, that is what we mean when we say justice is blind, or we want it to be anyway, right? There is nothing that prevents true justice from happening. Uh, it doesn't change based on race or color or creed or gender or whatever, right? The same action results in the same reward or punishment, no matter who does it, right? So 
let's get back to that social justice thing. I don't want us to confuse justice with social justice, okay? Justice is pure. Justice is of God. Social justice is not necessarily of God. Now, are some of the goals of social justice godly? Of course, right? Who doesn't want to take care of the poor? Who doesn't want to eliminate racism? Right. We all do. Well, I I shouldn't say we all do, but most of the world does, okay? The difference between justice, which is of God, and social justice, which is a creation of man, is man. We are not good at doing anything uh, that replaces God's version, okay? Um, Here's a good example. The same mob that decided people were not equal based on uh, race, affluence, wealth in the past, right? They created the racism, the inequality uh, in our country or in the world. The same people who did that now want us to reverse the process by treating the other end of those measurables unfairly. So now the people who benefited back then from bad decisions are now going to be punished for it, even though they weren't part of it. We're going to punish them now because their class or whatever you want to call it, their race, their class, their color, their gender benefited. Now they must be punished. Okay, that's ridiculous. None of those people were responsible for any of that. And to be fair, the same decision-making process that made that decision is making this one. So now in 50 years, we're going to flip the script again and oppress the poor in different races again? That makes no sense, right? Racism is wrong no matter which race everyone is subjugating. It is just wrong to fail the poor as it I'm sorry it is just as wrong to fail the poor as it is to be burning buildings crying eat the rich it's wrong okay god's justice is simple psalm 146 7 to 9 says who executes justice for the oppressed who gives food to the hungry the lord sets prisoners free the lord opens the eyes of the blind The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. How does God do all these things? You can find the answer in a simple verse of a song. Okay, Matthew West wrote a song a few years ago called Do Something, and some of the lyrics go... I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. I created you. So, guys, we're the answer to this question. We can't fall prey to this social media nonsense. We need to do what Christians have always done since the beginning of the church in Jerusalem, and we need to take care of the poor. We need to take care of the widows. We need to take care of the children. We don't need our government telling us how to do that. They don't know what they're doing. They never have. We need to do it. Colossians 3.25 says, For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong, 
which he has done, and that without partiality. Revelation 20, 12, and 13. I know it gets scary when you start talking about Revelation uh, in a podcast, but listen, listen to it. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open, and another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds. Notice, in God's definition of justice, we're held accountable for our own sins. Our sins. Not the sins of our fathers. Not the sins of our ancestors. Not the sins of the founding fathers of our government. We're held accountable for our sins. That is not social justice. So be careful when you join those clubs and you post those little cute memes and and all of that stuff because when you're preaching social justice, you're preaching something that's against God, not the activities of social justice, not necessarily the goals of social justice, but the means to those goals are wrong. I'm going to take a quick break and then I will be back with you to discuss Uh, more about pain, suffering, death, and the result of sin. All right, everybody, I am back. Um, I'm ready to discuss some more about pain, suffering, and death being the result of sin. Uh, Early on, uh, humans in the Bible, humans lived nearly a thousand years. As you notice, as you get further along in the Bible, uh, each generation lifespan decreased as sin became more pervasive, right? Uh, Modern medicine slowed the decline and kind of stabilized it. And according to the World Health Organization, if if we can still believe anything they say, um, in 2016... It's about 72 years is our lifespan, um, which is a decrease from the Bible, uh, the beginnings of the Bible, of 98%, okay? A thousand years versus 72. Um, So why do children, animals, the faithful even, right? Christians suffer just like everybody else. Why? Um, I watched a movie the other day and... um, I was kind of surprised that this was on a network, a cable network. Um, it's called Miracles from Heaven, and um, it reminded me of a few things, right? It's about a family in Texas. The little girl develops a stomach problem. She can't process food. Um, she's very sick. She really wants to die. Her mother loses her faith because of it. Um, the family's falling apart. They're going into debt. The doctors can't figure it out. Um But the little girl, she never loses her faith. She never does. Uh, Even at its worst, her wish was not, why God? Or she wasn't screaming, why God, why me? Anything like that. She just wanted to die to be with God and no longer be in pain. Um, 
So it made me ask myself, what do you do when crisis comes? What do I do when crisis comes? We all have suffering in our lives. We all have sin in our lives. Suffering is not a punishment for our sins that day or that week or that month. God isn't up there, you know, taking shots at us with lightning bolts every time we step out of line. That's not what suffering and and pain and even death are about. It's about sin in general, not necessarily your specific sin, okay? Uh, Suffering can also be intended to help someone else. Uh, In this movie... Uh, She ends up in a hospital in Boston, and her roommate is a young girl with cancer uh, named Haley, who doesn't have faith and and doesn't have hope. Um, And they get to talking about it, and she mentions it to her dad. Her dad chastises uh, Annabelle's mother for don't give her false hope kind of thing. You know how the movies go. Um, So she ends up, Annabelle ends up giving this young Haley, her cross, um, which the father allows to happen. Uh, and then we don't see her again until later in the movie. And I'll get back to that. Uh, some of you may have seen it. So you already know the ending. Hopefully I'm not ruining anything. So spoilers coming, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, but it's not new. So, uh, so suffering can be intended to help someone else. Uh, would you be willing to suffer for the gospel? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves. Um, What should you do when crisis comes? Um, Can you... uh, Later in this movie, uh, the main character played by Jennifer Garner um, stands up at her church after it's resolved and um, and the young girl is is back to health. Um, She talks about how she lost her faith and how she shouldn't have. And when she lost her faith and stopped talking and trust, talking to and trusting God, she stopped seeing all the miracles that were happening in her life. All she could see was her daughter's pain and suffering. And she didn't see the receptionist at the doctor's office in Boston who got her an appointment, even though she didn't have one. And there was a nine month wait got involved in her life. The woman played by Queen Latifah that uh, was a waitress at a restaurant who saw that they were in need and took them under her wing and got their mind off it for a day, took them to an aquarium in a, in a museum and helped them get their mind off of this suffering for a day. And then the call came in and there were so many other examples of miracles that happened in their life um, that resulted in the healing of the daughter. Um, so we need to be able to see that the miracles are still happening around us. We need to be able to trust that God is still working in the situation, no matter what the end result is. And I know that's hard. I know it's hard because sometimes the end result isn't what we wanted. Um, Our pastor at Bridgewood Church, Pastor Kurt Demoff, for those of you who may be listening and know him, um, had a sermon, um, I don't remember how long ago it was, um, probably a year or so, or maybe two years, I don't know. Um, He said that most people subscribe to an everything happens for a reason mentality, but they miss the truth of what those reasons are, right? Here are some of the reasons he said that 
everything happens, right? We live in a fallen world in which people choose to do bad things that hurt others. Uh, Number two, God uses storms and difficulty in our lives to perfect or refine us. Sometimes the suffering or the pain or the storm is a lesson that we need to learn. Um, God, third one, God is sovereign and we may not always understand the reason. And the fourth one, our own bad decisions and choices affect our lives negatively. God isn't always punishing us for something. Sometimes our poor choices are punishing us. Okay? So the answer here is, one, expect the best. Pray for the best. Right? Have faith that miracles can happen. Number two, prepare for the worst. Have the wisdom in preparing for the negative outcomes, understanding that they could very well happen. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. Okay? Uh, To be fair, we're not even really guaranteed all of today. And number three, leave it to God. You can't control the outcome. The only thing you can control is your reaction to the outcome. Those are Pastor Kurt's words directly. Okay, so I'm just quoting him when I say that. You can't control the outcome. You can only control your reaction to the outcome. So some hard questions that we should be asking ourselves. All right, first, do we really trust God? Proverbs 29.5 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Okay, number two, can we accept that pain and suffering are part of life and serve a purpose just like mercy and justice and love and faith do? Can we accept that? Acts 5.41 says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Right? They suffered for Jesus, for their faith, for their belief, and they rejoiced for the opportunity. Okay? Three, are you willing to suffer for the kingdom and the gospel? Are you willing to have suffering, pain in your life, to affect somebody else's life in a positive way, like in this movie? Annabelle gave her cross and told the young girl, Haley, about Jesus. Um, It changed her life. Okay, it didn't extend her life, but it did change her life. Um, Number four, can we believe that God is working even when grief is preventing us from seeing it? John 20, 27 to 29 says... Then he said to Thomas, yes, doubting Thomas, we have to go there. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's very convicting, right? I'm sure Thomas felt a little small in that moment, but we've all been there. Number five, can you see the miracles happening around you despite the pain in your life? Jennifer Garner's character 
couldn't. And she did later, of course, when it's resolved and everybody's happy, it's a happy ending. Even when it's not a happy ending, we can look back and we can see it, right? Hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, Exodus 16.3 talks about this. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. God had provided them escape. He had parted the Red Sea. He had provided water from a rock. (laughs) He had manna raining from the sky to feed them. And they cried that they would have been better off in slavery in Egypt. Don't let that be us. I know we're just human just like they were. But don't let that be us. Can you accept, number six, can you accept that you may never know why the suffering or death was necessary? Pastor Kurt mentioned it earlier, right? Sometimes we don't know. God is sovereign and we may not always get it. We may not always see the reasons. In the movie Miracles from Heaven, after Jennifer Garner's impassioned speech at her church, the father of Haley stepped up. He was in the church and he heard this and he told the gathered masses who were already grumbling at Jennifer Garner's speech, claiming that they made it all up and that maybe her sickness wasn't as bad as it was reported to be. This gentleman who saw her in the hospital happened to be there, stood up and said, no, I saw her. She was near death. And not only did I see her, but she never gave up on her faith. She gave my daughter faith. And my 10-year-old daughter who died of cancer died knowing Jesus. That is the part we may never know, right? In our lives, that guy doesn't show up in the church to proclaim that he was saved by our actions or by our suffering. But he may have been, and and we may never know it. Somebody you affect today could have a change of heart five years from now and you would never know it. Would you go back and relive that situation without the pain, knowing that it may cost that person an opportunity to know God? We have to answer that question for ourselves. Um, And then, uh, I'm sorry, we don't always get affirmation in this world, right? Matthew 16, 19 to 21 addresses this. Uh, Do not store up for yourself treasures on the earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if your treasure is not in heaven, if it's here on this world, that is all you get. That is all you get. You want your treasure to be eternal, not temporal, not of this world. Right? Sometimes we just have to accept that God will do the right thing, that whatever that right thing is, that that's what God is doing, right? Sometimes, I'll, I'll, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 speaks on this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Romans 9.15 says, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. When you can't see the why, can you live with not knowing in faith and trust the God who sent his son to die for your salvation? I pray for myself and for you that we can. I'm going to end it here, folks. I hope this has helped. I know we're going through different difficult times. They may get more difficult, depending how the world happens and what happens in politics and what happens. I know everybody, a lot of you think none of this matters. This political stuff doesn't matter, but I'm sorry, guys, it does. If they, if we lose the two Senate seats in Georgia next month and, and they have a majority, the Democrats have a majority in, in the, uh, all of Congress and the presidency, uh, the first thing that Biden has said he wants to do is pass the Equality Act. I implore you to look it up. It's already passed in the House of Representatives, uh, I think two years ago or something, a year and a half ago, uh, and it is bad news for freedom of religion. Um, They're going to pass this Equality Act, and it's going to force churches, religious organizations, and nonprofits to act in a way that is not in accordance to, with the Bible uh, or be punished. So those of you who think this is all going to pass, um, think again. Look it up, the Equality Act. Um, it is a scary thing. And, and it, Biden has promised that it's going to be one of his first actions. So I'm going to leave it at that. I pray for all of you guys. We're a week out from Christmas. Oh, one thing I wanted to remind everybody. um, I don't know if we'll be able to see it. You know how Michigan weather is. But on Monday, the 21st, check me on the time. Google it. um, We should be able to see the Star of Bethlehem in the sky for the first time since I think I read the year 1226. So not going to happen again in our lifetimes. So if you have a chance to step outside and look to the sky, you may be able to see the Star of Bethlehem uh, up there, uh, which would be a wonderful thing, uh, a real ray of hope in a difficult year during this Christmas season. Uh, If I don't get another podcast done before next week, I wish all of you a Merry Christmas. Please, if you do anything else this holiday season, this Christmas season, keep Christ in Christmas. Thank you guys. Rise up. All right, guys, I had to come back for a minute. Um, As happens often, uh, I was completed, finished with uh, this recording and uh, doing my 
daily audio Bible plan for the day. And what comes up in today's reading is Habakkuk, uh, one of the minor prophets. Not minor because of their importance, but minor because it was one of the smaller books. Uh, And obviously God wanted me to hear this today, and maybe he didn't want me to record uh, today. But I did, and I felt like I had to come back and tell you uh, what was in this. Uh, If you've read it, you know uh, Habakkuk was a um, a prophet. uh, And he basically, his three chapters of his book, that's all there is, um, is basically a conversation with God. And, And he starts out complaining his complaint to God uh, in verse 2 O Lord how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear verse 4 so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous so justice goes forth perverted it sounds a lot like what we're going through. It, it sounds a heck of a lot like what we've we talked about today in in the earlier parts of the podcast, and it's obviously God's will that this get included in in this podcast. So, uh, starting in verse five of Habakkuk, um, the Lord answers. He says, "Look among the nations and see, wonder." I'm sorry, look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. So we talked about that, how he's working behind the scenes and we wouldn't even believe it if if he told us what he was actually doing uh, and what impact it would have on the world in our lives. Um, In verse 13, he further says, Why do you idly look at traitors uh, and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? So this is Habakkuk's second complaint is that God looks the other way when the unrighteous get over on the righteous. Um, God responds, behold, his soul is puffed up. This is in um, chapter two, verse four. Uh, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And then he goes on to describe some woes. In this particular case, he's talking about the Chaldeans, okay, specifically. That the Chaldeans were going to destroy Habakkuk's enemies, uh, but then they became the enemy, right? The the one bad guy destroyed another bad guy, and now they're probably even worse than the original bad guy. Uh, so Habakkuk is not understanding this resolution. So God explains some woes that will happen to the Chaldeans that that we should expect to happen today as well, or in the future, at least at judgment. Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. Sound familiar? Right? Thou shalt not steal. Uh, Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. So people, 
in our society who, you know, pass rules and laws that are good for us, but not good for them, right? They don't follow the rules that they set for themselves. Uh, I think we have great examples of that in our current day. Uh, The third one, woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Um, I think we see some pretty good examples of that uh, going on in our country right now. Uh, Cities that are defunding police and uh, want to uh, pass legislation that will force taxpayer money to be used for abortions, things like that. Um, The next woe. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. Uh, That's pretty obvious uh, sins of our world right now, of our culture, where everything good is bad and everything bad is good uh, right now. Uh, And then finally, woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, and to a silent stone, arise. That's idolatry, right? Um, And it doesn't have to be a carved wooden idol of a false god. It can be anything. We can be worshiping money. We can be worshiping TV. We can be worshiping all kinds of things. We can even be worshiping a politician. We worship God. That's it. Um, Politicians may or may not do what we want them to do or may or may not do what we feel is good and right. Uh, in in accordance with biblical or God's standards, Um, but we can't worship them. They're just people. Um, And if we are, we're on the wrong path, okay? So after Habakkuk argues, God responds. Habakkuk has a second argument. God responds. What does Habakkuk do? He does what we should do. One, first, he prays. Okay, I'm not going to read the entire prayer, but you should. Habakkuk is only three chapters. It's small. Okay. Uh, Verse 16. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us trust in God. His prayer is about trust. That I may not see it, but you said it's happening and I trust in you. And then what does he do after he prays? He rejoices. He hasn't even received the resolution yet, but he rejoices in the Lord that he will. uh, Because he knows that God is true. I'm going to read this whole thing. It's only three verses. So this is... um, Chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Isn't that amazing? Habakkuk, in a terrible situation, he sees no way out of it. He 
he sees a resolution come that's worse than the original problem, but he trusts in God. He knows that God is faithful and will provide. He's not always going to like the end result, but the end result is going to be God's sovereign act. All right, guys, I'm going to leave it at that. I just felt like this came up for a reason and it had to be added to this podcast. I hope all of this helps. Um, If you have questions, contact, reach out to me. Uh, If there's something you want me to discuss in future podcasts, please reach out. I will be happy to do research on any subject pertaining to to God, even even politics. But I'm going to look at it from my Christian perspective. So be prepared uh, uh, that that you want to actually hear the answer to the question. All right, guys. Merry Christmas. I love you all. We'll see you soon. Rise up.